You know, on the Christian calendar, uh, Easter is the most important event. Uh, we thank God for the birth of Jesus uh, and our celebration of Christmas. But you know, without Easter, uh, Christmas will be empty. Amen. Um, the, the reason uh, that you and I are alive today is because of what God did in Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah, so Easter is the most significant event in the Christian calendar. Now, this morning, uh, what I aim to do, uh, the title of my message this morning is Grace at the Cross. Grace at the Cross. Uh, and if you've been coming for the last few weeks, you will know that we have been talking about the subject of grace. Because grace is what separates Christianity from every other religion on planet Earth. Because every religion is about what you can do to receive the favor of God. But grace is always about what God has done. Because grace speaks about God making his power available to us to meet our need and to achieve his purpose. God making his power available to us to meet our need and to achieve his purpose. And this power is made available freely without qualification. Grace is what separates Christianity. And therefore, as a Christian, you must be an expert in grace. You must understand what grace is. You must explore grace. You must experience grace and express grace in all you do. Your life is designed by God to be powered by grace. Hallelujah. Because Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. He said, if you abide with me as a branch abides in the vine, then you'll be fruitful. Hallelujah. Because you and I are created to be empowered by the grace of God and live lives not in the power of the flesh, but by the power of Almighty God. So today, we're going to be talking about grace at the cross. You know, one definition I gave grace last week is that grace is the past tense of God's action on our behalf that has present results. Grace is the past tense. Everyone say past tense. Because whenever you talk about grace, you are not talking about the future. You are not talking about what God is going to do for you. You are talking about what God has done for you that has present results. I know as a church, what we're doing is we are recalibrating our hearts by grace. We are recalibrating the way we relate with God on the basis of grace. So if you and I are talking about what is going to do, we are stepping, well, what God is going to do, we are stepping outside the realms of grace. You need to uh, allow your theology to be re, uh, recalibrated by the word of God. Amen. If we are looking at the future, at what God is going to do, we are stepping outside the realm of grace because grace is the past tense of God's action. Hallelujah. And that's why the Bible says that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's why the Bible says, according as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Grace is always about the past tense of God's action. So if you and I are going to live a life that is powered by grace, we're always going to be looking back. Hallelujah. We're not looking back at what we have done or what we have achieved. We are looking back at what God has done for us in Christ. Because living a life that is empowered by God is living a life of looking back at what God has done, what he has documented, his power that he's been made available, understanding that power, and living into the future by that power. Hallelujah. And you know the cross is that location. The cross is the place where God did all he was going to do for us in Christ. Hallelujah. So all Christianity looks back at the cross. All history looks at the cross. In fact, everybody in the Old Testament looked forward to the cross for redemption. And everyone after the cross looks back at the cross because the cross of Jesus Christ, the place of death, burial and resurrection was the place where Jesus fulfilled 
all God's requirements to make His power available to us. So today we're going to look at the grace at the cross. Let us begin in the Old Testament. Because you know the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. In the Old Testament all God was doing was uh, through types and shadows showing them what Jesus was going to do at the cross. Because only salvation, salvation is always by faith in what Christ did at the cross. Salvation for, Ab- for Abraham, for Isaac, for Jacob, for Noah, for Moses, all had to do with what Christ did at the cross. And through symbols, uh, God illustrated this to them and they kept putting their faith forward in what Jesus was going to achieve at the cross. Turn your Bibles to the book of Numbers 21. Numbers 21, we look at some, we're going to look at some symbols of redemption in the Old Testament. You know, this is a story of redemption. Verse 7 of Numbers 21 says, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord that he will take the serpents from us. We, we know the context, the children of Israel had sinned against God and serpents as a result came into the midst and began to bite people and poison them. They needed salvation, they needed healing, they needed redemption. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, everyone say when he looks at it. It says when he looks at it, he shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. So it was that if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the serpent, when he looked at the serpent, you know, Jesus talking about this said that as the serpent was raised in the Old Testament and brought salvation, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. Hallelujah. But you see, the salvation came by looking at The salvation didn't come by working for it. God did what they could not do. And he used that as a symbol in the Old Testament of how salvation will come. You know, when we talk about salvation, salvation is a complete word that speaks about deliverance from sin. It speaks about healing in your body. It speaks about prosperity. It speaks about the restoration that e- of everything that has been broken in our lives as a, as a result of our union with Satan. Salvation is complete recovery. Say to your neighbor, complete recovery. Or say it again, complete recovery. They needed healing in their bodies. You know, according to the justice of God, they should have all been destroyed because they had sinned. They were guilty. Hallelujah. As a result of what they had done, they made themselves vulnerable to the onslaught of the enemy. How many of you know that justification comes to the person that has sinned? You know, the Bible says that when you reward somebody, when you pay somebody for what they have done, it is not grace, it is debt. But he that does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, then the result of that forgiveness or that salvation is not works but grace. God is the justifier of the ungodly. Hallelujah. God is the justifier of the ungodly. Where you are without strength, God will make his strength available for your deliverance because he loves you. He said, Moses, put up a brazen cross. And this cross is a sign of the brazen cross. I am going to put up for the salvation of man thousands of years to come. And if they look and put their faith in that, they will be delivered. Everybody that looked at that cross was delivered. They were healed in their bodies. Turn your Bibles to the book of Leviticus chapter 14. Leviticus 14 verse 4. Now this is speaking about cleansing of lepers. The cleansing of lepers. Look at Leviticus 14 verse 4. God is giving Moses instructions on how lepers 
Now lepers should be cleansed. He said, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living clean birds. Everyone say clean birds. Now, now the leper was not clean. He needed cleansing. Now this is God's recipe for cleansing, for sanctification, for redemption, for wholeness, for restoration. It says the one that is to be cleansed should take two living clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel overrunning water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them into the living uh, and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over running water. Do you see the symbolism here? So the two birds are actually one, aren't they? All right. One is killed and its blood is shed. And then the living bird is dipped into the blood of the dead bird. Showing that that which was going to be killed on your behalf for your redemption is going to live again. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from leprosy. And shall pronounce him clean. And shall let the living bird loose in the open field. So do you want to be cleansed as a leper? He said, I will give you a symbol. Take me two clean birds. That which is righteous is going to die for the unrighteous. Take me two clean birds. Kill one. Watch what is happening. Understand this illustration. As the blood of the one that is killed is shed, take that blood and, and put it, dip the one that is living in that blood and take the blood and sprinkle it on the leprous person and pronounce him clean through the blood that was shed on his behalf. Hallelujah. And let that bird go free. And the, blood, the bird will fly out and it will be uh, remain free. Look at Leviticus 16 verse 7. You know God through illustration. God through symbolism. Is showing the Old Testament saints the secret of redemption. That redemption does not come from ourselves. Redemption comes from God and God alone. And it comes by grace. It is God releasing his power to heal your body. Releasing his power to forgive your sin. Releasing his power to, to enable you to live a life of sanctification and holiness. Releasing his power to make your body, your marriage, your business fruitful. The fruitfulness of our lives cannot come from ourselves. Otherwise we'll boast. The fruitfulness in our lives comes from the release of the power of God, which he released on our behalf in Christ. Hallelujah. In Leviticus 16, you know, in the Old Testament, we read a few weeks ago that um, in John's gospel that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law revealed the standard of God's righteousness. But you know what the law could not do? was it could not empower humanity to live a life of righteousness. All the Lord demonstrated was that we needed a redeemer. But you know, even during the time of the law, the Lord did not just leave them with the law. Within the time of the law, he demonstrated to them the grace of salvation. Hallelujah. Because the law didn't save. The most important day on the Hebrew calendar is a day called Yom Kippur. The day of atonement. That is the day they will be forgiven. That is the day that all their sins will be cleansed. Because even though they had the laws of Moses, everybody tried to fulfill the law, but they always fell on their faces. 
They always try to fulfill the law, obey the tenets of the law, but they always fell on their faces. And what God was trying to let them know is that by the law, by the works of the law shall no man, no flesh be justified before God. Man cannot fulfill the requirements of God's righteousness through the observance of the law, but only through the power of God's grace. So there was an important day on the Hebrew calendar, the day of atonement, when all their sins will be forgiven. In Leviticus 16, because of time, we probably won't go through the through whole chapter. But God is giving Aaron instructions of how the day of atonement should work. Look at verse 7 of Leviticus 16. He says, and he shall take two goats. Everyone say two goats. This is reminding us of the two birds, isn't it? He shall take two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the Lord fell to be scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house and shall kill the bull as the sin offering which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of sweet incense or a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. And he shall put incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat, that is on the testimony, lest he die. He shall take some of the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it um, with his finger on the mercy seat, on the east side, and therefore the mercy seat shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering which is for the people. Bring it, bring its blood inside the veil, do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat before the mercy seat so he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanliness of the children of Israel and because of their trespasses for all their sins. And so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst uh, of their uncleanness. Verse 17 says, there shall, no man, there shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out that he may make atonement for himself, for his family, and for all the assembly of Israel. And he shall go out to the altar which is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar and he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, cleanse it, consecrate it for the uncleanness of the children of Israel. So basically, through symbolism, we see the power of redemption. The high priest, Aaron, representing our high priest, once a year will go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was revealed. And you know, because he was a sinful man, he had to offer a sacrifice for his own sin first. Because you know, if he stood in the presence of the Lord, uh, he would be killed. So he had a bull that, uh, that was killed and the, and the blood was sprinkled for his own sins. And then for the two goats, he will take one goat, kill it, uh, offer the blood on behalf of the people. And then the second goat was set free. We see again the powerful symbolism of redemption. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. But in the Old Testament, the, the type of the redemption that is in Christ Jesus was done through symbolism of goats and bulls and, uh, and oxen, um, uh, etc. But you know, that was, that was uh, never going to cleanse their sin. As they put their faith in what was being done, what they were doing was putting their faith in what Jesus was going to do thousands of years before. And you know that it was when Jesus went to the cross that all the sins of those, uh, all the sins that were committed in the Old Testament was actually forgiven. 
God took everything they did in the Old Testament through the tabernacle and the sacrifices um, as redemption in account. They were putting their faith in what hadn't happened yet. The, the blood of bulls and the blood of goats could not cleanse anybody from sin. All they were doing was, they, was using symbolism. They were putting their faith in what Jesus was going to do. And when Jesus went to the cross and died and rose from the dead, God legitimately could forgive all those in the Old Testament that had put their faith in the coming redemption that Christ and Christ only can offer. Look at Romans chapter 3. Because you may say, Pastor, where are you getting that from? Look at Romans chapter 3. You know, the cross is the only place for redemption. Old Testament and New Testament. It is through the cross that God was justified to release his power on behalf of humanity. You know, the Bible says that the soul that sins shall die. So even though God loves humanity, the justice of God requires that humanity pay for their sin. Hallelujah. So God could not just forgive us because he loved us. Because the penalty of our sin needed to be paid for. So the justice of God required that, um, that sin be paid for. And he was in the Old Testament showing them that, you know, the reason why I'm not going to judge you is because somebody else is going to take your place. So when, when in the Old Testament, a sinner came before the high priest and brought a, uh, a, 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 a pure lamb. And that lamb was killed for a sin offering. Basically, what God was saying was, I'm not going to look at you anymore. I am going to look at the, the spotlessness of this lamb that has taken your place. Because this lamb is a type of the spotless lamb of God who is going to take away the sins of the world. So when the lamb of God offered himself without sin on the cross of Calvary, God was justified to forgive humanity. Because a sinless human being had offered himself for the salvation of humankind. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. You know, as we go through this this morning, I want you to keep reminding yourself that salvation is everything that has been broken as a result of our union with Satan. Everything we lost as a result of the disobedience of Adam and Eve and rebellion of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Whether it be sin, del uh, uh, deliverance from sin or healing in your body or disarray in your life. Everything that is broken is covered in the redemption that is at the cross. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. The New Living Translation says for everyone. Everyone say everyone. It says everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus. When he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead. Everyone say he was looking ahead. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he will do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then 
That we have done anything to be accepted by God. No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Hallelujah. It says God is righteous. God is just. The only reason why God could forgive Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses was because they put their faith in the cross through the symbolism of the Old Testament sacrifices. So God, as it were, held their forgiveness in account. And when Jesus died on the cross, sinless humanity on behalf of the whole world, God could now righteously release that forgiveness for them and through that they could enter the kingdom of heaven. And that is when, when, that's why when Jesus died, he went to Abraham's bosom. And in Abraham's bosom, as his blood was offered as a sin offering for all of humanity, all the saints of old in Hades, the place of departed spirits, Abraham's bosom, were released from Abraham's bosom because the champion of their faith, the champion of their salvation had paid the price for them. And as a result, when Jesus rose from the dead, Abraham's bosom was emptied and all the saints of old went into heaven with him. Hallelujah. So all salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone. So we in the New Testament, we look back at the cross. The cross is the place where through the sacrifice of Christ, the power of God could be make, made available legitimately to all humanity. Hallelujah. Look at Isaiah 53. You know, next week we're going to be talking about grace and faith. Because redemption is practical. It is, it is, it is the practical um, demonstration of the power of God in the life of a human being. Redemption is practical. But one of the greatest challenges that a Christian has, we don't so much have a challenge of being born again by the power of God, knowing that we can't save ourselves. But the greatest challenge we have is living by the same power. Because most of us get born again by grace through faith. And then we try to live our Christian lives by works. And the power of God that is working in our lives, the only power at work in our lives is the power that saved us. And you know, and that is why Paul was so frustrated with the Galatians. He said, you gave your life to Christ and you entered into Christ by faith. And you are trying to be, uh, to live your Christian life by works. It's futile. And that is why as a Christian, whenever you try to live by the works of the law, whenever you try to live in your power and in your strength, you will fall on your face every time. But grace is the practical means through which you and I will walk free from sin. Look at Isaiah 53. As I said last week, we need to learn this. This is the most important thing, the most important doctrine we must learn as Christians. We need to learn this. Because the reason why after Jesus rose from the dead, he sat at the right hand of the Father is because he did everything needed for us to live victorious lives in the earth. That is why Jesus is not pacing up and down in heaven right now, sending his power day after day to us. Because the Bible says he is seated at the right hand of God. Because at the cross, all the power... All the power, all the power, all the power that you require for life and godliness was released through what Jesus did on our behalf. And that's why the Bible says in Romans 8 that if he did not spare his son for us but gave him up for us, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? At the point wherewith the son was offered for us, the Bible says through the sacrifice of the son, everything we need for life and godliness, everything we need to live a victorious life was released on our behalf. Hallelujah. And that's why the cross was so important to God. Isaiah 53, verse 10. I'm reading from the New Living Translation again. It says it was the Lord's good plan to crush him. Hallelujah. It was the Father's good plan to crush Jesus 
and to cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. Hallelujah. You know, it is said that you should not pray that the Lord will be your enemy. Because if Jehovah is going to crush you, you will be crushed. The Bible says that Jesus, there's a, there's a theological word used uh, in, in the New Testament. And that is the word propitiation. Everyone say propitiation. Jesus' propitiation speaks about satisfying the anger of God. Hallelujah. So G God put on Jesus all his anger against sin. He says it was the father's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief because he offered his soul as an offering for sin. You know, God is satisfied with the punishment that Jesus bore for all humanity. So he does not need to punish humanity anymore. Do you know the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God through Christ has reconciled the world to himself. The punishment of our sin was born completely by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And if anybody will identify with what Jesus has done by faith, they will be in included in the righteousness that is available in Christ. Do you know the only reason why anybody will go to hell is because they have not accepted the free gift that God has offered them in Christ. The only reason why anyone will stay depressed is because they have not accepted the free gift that God has offered them in Christ. The reason why anyone remains sick is because they have not accepted the free gift that God has offered them in Christ because God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The Bible says who his own self bore our sin in his own body that we through, through faith. Look at 1 Peter 2.24 because we see that the place we see that the place that he obtained redemption for us is the same place that he obtained healing for our bodies. Hallelujah. I read from the New Living Translation. It says, who himself, that's Jesus himself, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. All of redemption is at the cross. Hallelujah. You, you might say, well, this sounds incredible. No, it, it is incredible. It might sound incredible, but it is true. And that is why the Bible says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, everyone who comes to him by faith, everyone who comes seeing what he has done for us in Christ will be saved. Everyone who comes seeing that he is a, a, a forgiver will be forgiven. Everyone who comes seeing that he is a healer will be healed. Everyone who sees that he is the one that empowers us in our business will receive the empowerment of God that is available to us in Christ. Easter is a celebration of resurrection. A celebration of re resurrection. A celebration of the completeness of what God has done for us. In Christ. You know the problem of sin that Jesus answered at the cross was not just the sins that we commit. Because there are three aspects to sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So sins are the sins that we commit. The acts of transgression, of wickedness, of unbelief, of ungodliness, of lawlessness and evil that we commit. And through the blood of Jesus, we are forgiven 
at the cross. But it's not just our sins that are forgiven. The other aspect of sin is the sin nature. The nature of sin. The nature of sin. The perversion of mankind to rebel against God. You know, the book of Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we're by nature the children of wrath. By nature, when Adam sinned, because we're in Adam, that fall of Adam, that nature of re rebellion came into our spirit man. So even though we try to live righteously, it does not matter how righteously you try to live. The, the problem of sin goes beyond sinful acts. It, it, it comes from a sinful nature. In fact, the reason why we sin is because we have a nature of sin. Hallelujah. And then the third aspect of sin is the state of sin. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, uh, Romans chapter 5, it says that through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and death passed to all men. So when Jesus died on the cross, his blood was shed for redemption of our sins. But through the cross and the fact that he did it on our, uh, on our behalf, the Bible says that, that he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might become or we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Through what he did, not only are our sins forgiven, but as we put our faith in Christ as our Savior, we become new creatures. His nature comes on the inside of us. The Bible says that we are delivered from the authority of darkness. We are planted into the kingdom of his dear son. So you are free from the inside out. You are free from the inside out through faith in Jesus Christ. It is not just forgiveness from sin. We're now new creatures in Christ. We're absorbed from the penalty of sin because of what Jesus has done. And now we have the power to live a life of righteousness through the power of his grace at work on the inside of us. Look at Romans chapter 6. Let me bring this to a close this morning. Look at Romans chapter 6. Because it is not just about forgiveness, it is about victory. The salvation of Christ is not just to forgive you. The salvation of Christ is to bring the life of Christ into your spirit man. So that you can live a life that's free from sin. Through the power of God. You can live a victorious life, not just a forgiven life. Hallelujah. A victorious life. But that victorious life is not going to be lived through the power of your effort. That victorious life is going to be lived through receiving power from the grace that was made available to us in Christ. And we need to understand how that is done. Because this is practical Christianity where our lives are lived by the power of God. Thank God that if I sin, I can be forgiven. Thank God that I have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. But the work that Jesus did on the cross is much more than that. The Bible says that whatever is born of God uh, overcomes the world. Uh, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The life of Christ is to enable us to be overcomers. The Bible says that anyone who is born of God cannot habitually practice sin because the seed of God abides in him and he will not habitually practice sin because he is born of God. When you are born again, the nature of Almighty God comes into your inner man. Hallelujah. And through that nature, you have the power to overcome sin in your life. But you know what a lot of us do is we get born again and we recognize that we are believers. We are new creatures in Christ. And we say, well, as a new creature, I need to act right. I need to do the right thing, and which is good. And then we try to start doing the right thing. And we try to start doing the right thing. And it seems so difficult. And we fall. And we say, Jesus, forgive me. And then we try to do the right thing again. And try to do the right thing again. And we keep falling. What we don't recognize is that instead of leaning on the power of God that got us saved to establish us in him, we are now leaning on our own strength. Hallelujah. That's why Paul said to Timothy, stand strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
Stand strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There is a power in Christ Jesus, not just to deliver you from sin, but to keep you walking in the power of God and victorious over sin. Stand strong in that grace. Stand strong in that grace. There is a power to make you stand. There is a power to make you victorious in your daily living. You know, if you keep falling, understand that God does not condemn you because Christ died for you. But understand that there's something that you are missing. There's a power you're not walking with. Hallelujah. Let, let it drive you into your closet. Because grace is always the investigation into the past tense of what God has done. That there is something that you are missing. There is something you haven't appropriated. There is something you don't see. Hallelujah. Because God said to them in the, in the Old Testament, get them to look. And when they see, they will be healed. There is something you haven't seen. Say to your neighbor, there might be something that you haven't seen. If there is any aspect of your life where you are falling, there is something you haven't seen. Hallelujah. There is something you haven't seen. So let it not condemn you. Let it get you to rush into the presence of God and search out what is the power that Jesus released at the cross to give me victory in this area. Hallelujah. And that is what we're going to be exploring in the next few weeks. Look at Romans chapter 6. Bring this to a close now. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also, everyone say we also, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall in the likeness we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ Having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves indeed dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So it means that somebody that is under the law, sin has dominion over them. You see that? Somebody who is under the law, sin has dominion over them. Because the Bible even says that until the law, there was no knowledge of sin. But it was during the law of Moses that people recognized unrighteousness. And um, they, that, that was where the, the sin had its power because they fell. Um, they, they recognized that they were fallen from the standards of Almighty God. But it says that we are not under the law, but we are under grace. So there is a power in the resurrection that enables us to live victorious. Now, I wouldn't be able to unpackage all of this today, but there are some key words here, and this is from, uh, it's from this passage that we're going to get our memory verse for this week. 
there's some key words that I want us to meditate on. Because for today, my objective was to ensure that we understand that the place where God uh, was, was qualified, as it were, of the place where God uh, was enabled to release his grace was at the cross. The cross is the place where all of the power of God, God was justified through the death of Christ. All of the power of God for the establishment of humankind was released at the cross. The cross is the place of redemption. It is the place of our forgiveness from sin. It is the place where the new creation, uh, the nature of God, was now made available to humanity. It is the place where the power of God to establish us in all aspects of our lives was released. The cross is that place of victory. So whenever you need victory in any aspect of your life, look back at the cross and look back at what the cross has made available. Now in terms of practical victory, we see some key words here. The first one I want us to look at is in verse 6. It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And then verse 11 says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves. Consider yourself. Because God identified you or God included you in the death of Christ, it means that everything that Christ went through, you were included in it. As a matter of fact, St. Corinthians 5.21 says, He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in Him. So when he was on the cross, God included us. He included us in the death of Christ. And the Bible makes it clear here that when Jesus died, you died. And you died to sin in that place. So as Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says consider yourself. Consider yourself dead to sin. Because you know the person that is dead is free from sin. The person that is dead is free from sin. It says, consider yourself. So see yourself in Christ. When Christ died, see yourself die with him. Because the person that dies in Christ is freed from sin. And then when Christ was raised from the dead, see yourself raised from the dead with him. Because everything that Jesus did, he did for us. And everything he went through, we went through. Hallelujah. So our memory verse today is Romans chapter 6, verse 11. It says, likewise, you also reckon or consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Consider yourself. Likewise, you also reckon or consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. You know, in fact, I feel like uh, giving two memory verses this, this morning. Because I think that linked to that verse 11 is verse 4. Verse 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. And then verse 11 says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ. So I'd like us to meditate on uh, Romans chapter 6 verse 4 and Romans chapter 6 verse 11 this week. Let that be our meditation. And next Sunday, we will begin from these verses as we walk through the power of God that is available to us in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We thank God for resurrection. As Christ was raised from the dead, you, so, you also have been raised from the dead. The plan of God for your life is that every aspect of your life will be resurrected. That which is dead will experience resurrection life. There is no aspect of death that should hold on to you because in Christ you experience newness of life. The power of resurrection has been released. But in order to walk in it, we need to consider ourselves we need to see ourselves in that death 
We need to see ourselves in that resurrection. Insight is the key to walking in the power that is already made available to us. Do you know that the day that you got uh, delivered from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light was not the day that Jesus made power available for your deliverance. How many of you got born again 2,000 years ago? All right? Some of us got born again 20 years, 30 years, 5 years, 6 months ago. But do you know that the power of your salvation was released 2,000 years ago? But somebody came and spoke the word to you and said, you know what? God loves you. Do you know what? Uh, Jesus has died for you. The power to deliver you has been released. And you saw it. Hallelujah. And you accepted it. And what happened? All of a sudden, you said a prayer by faith. And do you know the Bible says that on that, Satan, on that same day, your name was recorded in heaven. You were delivered from the power of darkness and planted into the kingdom of God. The same will happen concerning healing. I don't care how long you've been sick. I don't care what the doctors have said. I don't care what the nurses have said. I don't care what your body is telling you. I don't care what you have gotten used to for 20 years. But on the day that your eyes open and you see that at the same time that he released power to forgive you from sin, he released power to heal every aspect of your body. On that day, the power of God will flow from your inner man into your body. On that day that you see that the chastisement of your peace was laid upon him, Satan will not be able to bring depression anymore. What we need to do is look back to the cross. There is power for you at the cross to deliver you from every manifestation of darkness in your life. Your day of deliverance has passed. It is not in the future. It is at the cross. Heaven is already rejoicing at your victory. It is at the cross. And when we see it and appropriate it, we will walk in the power of it. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day of celebration. We thank you, Lord, because what we could not do, you did for us in Christ. Holy Father, we thank you because we are forgiven. Because of what Christ did. We are healed. Because of what Christ did. The chastisement of our peace has been laid upon him. 